This morning we're starting off a new series. It's called Run the Race. And today I have a challenge for elders, deacons, and you. And we're going to jump right into it. It starts off, I want to talk about Hebrews chapter 11 just a little bit. If you're not familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, I encourage you to take some time and read through that this week. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the great faith chapter in, in the book of Hebrews. And it, it mentions many of the champions of faith, if you will. Uh, and the, these two words are repeated over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11. And it, these two words are by faith. Uh, for example, by faith, Enoch was taken up, uh, and he just was taken up to be with the Lord. By faith, Noah did what God called him to do. By faith, Abraham followed where God led him. And this, this just continues on with these great characters of faith. Uh, this faith chapter leads us into chapter 12, because that's how, you know, chapters work. You have chapter 11 and then chapter 12. And so as you get into chapter 12, though, it is declared that Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 1 through 2 says this, therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's referring to the people that were referred to in chapter 11, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is sat before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That statement, let us run the race with endurance. Let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. It's the foundation of this whole series on Run the Race. It's the foundation of this whole study, which is a challenge not just for elders and deacons, but for you as well. At the heart of this series, we're going to take a deeper look into what God asks of those who would step up to serve as an elder or a deacon in his church. And in just a few months here at Huntsville Christian Church, we're going to be presenting some men before you to be prayerfully considered as elders and deacons. I thought this would be a great time to look at all of our parts. I always say that when it comes to kingdom work, we all have a part. We all have something to do. You have a part. I have a part. And God has a part. And something to remember is this. God will always do his part. The question is, will we do our part well and consistently? So what is our part? Well, simply put, and stated earlier in Hebrews chapter 12, our part is to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And I want to illustrate it this way. Let me share it in this way. There was a young man named John Baker. Some would say he was average. Some would say uh, for the sport that he loved, he was less than average. You see, John loved running, and he wanted to be a runner, but he was too short. He was too slight to be a runner for his high school track team. And he wanted to run desperately on the track team, and the coach wouldn't let him. But he loved to run. Now, his best friend was tall and lanky and, and had that perfect runner's build, so to speak. And, and he could be a runner, but he wanted nothing to do with the sport, had no desire to run. But John, using friendship and cunningness, went to his track coach to convince him to let John be on the team. 
He told the coach, if you let me be on the team, if you let me run, I promise you, I'll convince my best friend to follow with me and run for the team as well, to which the coach agreed. And John Baker became a runner. Now, the team's first race was a 1.7-mile cross-country run through the hills of Albuquerque. The reigning state champ, Lloyd Goff, was also running in this race. And so naturally, everyone was there to watch Lloyd Goff do something amazing. And true to expectations, as the race started, Lloyd led the pack as they disappeared over the hills and the spectators waited. And then they saw in the distance a lone silhouette of a figure running toward them. Everyone naturally assumed that it was Lloyd Goff. But to their surprise, instead, it was John Baker. He totally blew away the field of runners. And he not only, he only beat them all, he set a new meet record. When he was asked how he was able to win, John said he asked himself a simple question. Am I doing my best? Still unsure if he was, he fixed his eyes on the runner ahead of him until he passed that person. And then he, he repeated that question, am I doing my best? And he fixed his eyes on the next runner ahead of him until he passed that one and so on until there was no one left in front of him. You see, the thing is, John Baker committed at the beginning of that race that nothing was going to distract him from giving his absolute best. Not pain, not fatigue, not other runners. Nothing was going to stop him from giving his absolute best. Well, as the season progressed and moved forward, John proved that the first race wasn't just a fluke. This fun-loving teenager became a fierce and relentless competitor when it came to races and track. He refused to lose. And by his junior year, John had broken six meet records and was considered the best miler in the state. His senior season, he ran track and cross-country, winning state in both events. He entered the University of New Mexico in 1962, and he took his training to the next level, running 10 miles a day. In 1965, John and his track team faced the most feared team in the country, the USC Trojans. When John's race came, he purposely led the pack the first lap and then intentionally fell back to fourth place. And then on the turn of the third lap, John collided with another runner who was vying for the same position, and he stumbled and lost valuable time. But when it came to the last lap, John dug deep, and he lived up to his reputation, blowing past the leader to win by a full three seconds. That's running the race with endurance, friends. Now, you would think the story would stop there. This guy who wasn't built for running has, has broken all these records. But after graduating... John turned his sights to the 1972 Olympics. In order to have time to train and make a living at the same time, he took a job as a track coach at Aspen Elementary in Albuquerque, where he had the opportunity to do what he always wanted, work with kids. Within a few months, he became known as the coach who cared as he invested a great deal of time and effort into working with the kids individually, not critically, but always demanding their best. The kids responded with that, and they learned from John. And in May of 1969, just before his 25th birthday, John noticed something during his workouts. He was tiring prematurely while he would run. Uh, two weeks later, he developed chest pains, and he awoke one morning with a swollen groin, a common injury with runners. But a doctor's visit revealed that John had an advanced form of testicular cancer. The only chance he had was to undergo surgery, which then revealed the worst. That cancer had spread throughout his body. The doctors gave him six months to live, and a second surgery was inevitable. Well, just before the second opera operation, John drove to the mountains. 
He intended to end his own life by driving off a cliff. After all, he didn't want his family to have to endure his pain and his suffering. But just before he did that, he recalled the faces of his students and his family. And he wondered what they would think if that was the best he could do. That was not the legacy he wanted to leave behind at that moment. And so he, did, he dedicated his life to the kids and to his family. And he decided that from that point on, no matter how long his life was going to be, that he would give his very best effort in the days that lay ahead. After a summer of surgery and treatments, he returned to school and, and con continued teaching track and running. But he also started a program for handicapped kids to be the equipment managers and the coaches' timekeepers. Everyone that wanted to be was included. John created a whole list of awards for students that he felt deserved recognition, who stepped up in spite of their limitations, using his own trophies. And he, he would replate them and, and purchase fabric with his own money and create blue ribbons. And, and in the evenings, he would give these, these as rewards. All the while, John refused pain medication because he feared it would impair his ability to work with the kids. As he was coming towards the end of this journey, John was asked to work with a small track club called the Duke City Dashers. Several months later, they were a team to contend with. John predicted they would make it to the AAU finals. By now, he was undergoing chemotherapy, and he struggled just to keep food down. His health was deteriorating quickly, and it became increasingly difficult for him to make practices. But then one day, one of the runners came to John and shared the good news that the, uh, the Dashers were going to the AAU finals. And John's last wish was to be there for it, but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be. A few weeks later on Thanksgiving Day at the age of 26, John Baker passed away, 18 months after his first doctor's visit. Now, why would I read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why would I read that and then tell you a story about a guy who loved to run? What does that even have to do with a sermon series on elders and deacons and you, other than the finishing the race part? You see, John Baker was told by many people he didn't have what it takes to be a runner. But he desired that more than anything else. He was not going to take no for an answer. And once he got on the team, he was willing to do whatever it took to run the race and endure. He committed to giving his absolute best to something that he loved to do. Not only that, as he walked through life facing a deadly cancer diagnosis, he still chose to endure that pain so that he could encourage and train others. I think we can agree that John Baker left an imprint on some people. He, he left a witness on his community and the students that he served. He ran the race physically as an athlete. He ran the race with cancer and he ran the mental, and he ran it with mental and physical pain as well. He endured severe pain in order to encourage others. And I think his story is a great illustration of what it is to serve as an elder or a deacon in God's church. As I said earlier, in just a couple of months, we will be setting some men before you that desire to be an elder or a deacon here at HCC. And I think it's fitting that as we come to this season of growth here that we study what it is to be an elder or a deacon. And I want to say, if you've ever considered this position of service or wondered what it requires and what it is to be an elder or a deacon, listen well 
and take notes over the next few weeks. And also check the scriptures. Don't just take my word for it. Take, check the scriptures. If you have questions, send us an email to the church. Myself or one of the elders would love to study more with you about the role of an elder or a deacon in the church. And that being said, what we're going to talk about today is just a general overview. We're going to get into more details over the coming weeks. But first off, I want you to hear this. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and this is Paul writing to Timothy to share with others. He says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. If you've ever desired to serve as an overseer, that is a noble task. But much is required in these positions. For example, Paul tells us and Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6, the overseer should pray for all people. I will be bold here. And I will say that the individual Christian, you should be praying for all people as well. But that's a different sermon for another day. But right now, we're going to look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. First of all, uh, then I urge you, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Uh, did you hear that? Elders and deacons should be men of prayer. They're not just silent in your prayer closet prayer. They should be bold prayers, praying daily with supplications, prayers and intercessions on behalf of others, and thanksgiving for all people. They should be praying for kings and all who are in high positions. Yes, that means in our culture today, they should be praying for our president and his staff and congressmen and senators, local government officials, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way. Elders and deacons should be men of prayer. What else do we need our elders and deacons to be? Well, according to 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 19 through 27, Paul gives us some more insight into this position. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might, have, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that a race, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says here, I have made myself a servant to all. If you desire a position of overseer or deacon, you cannot desire it for selfish gain or for your own ambition. 
These positions in the church are not about being first and they're not about considered or being considered more reverent than others. In fact, it's the complete opposite of that. This is the servant position of leadership. The calling is to care for others first, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Paul talks about here um, becoming all things to all people. He talks about serving and caring for the Jews, for those under the law, for the weak. He says, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. If you've ever considered being an elder or a deacon, I pray that you've also considered the cost and the commitment. Are you willing to commit to grow, to become all things to all people, so that God may use you to save some for the sake of the gospel? Elders and deacons and you should be people of prayer. We all should be. If we are to run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, we need to be looking to Jesus who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. We must do it with prayer and supplication and prayers of thanksgiving. You see, we all have a part here as you're praying for our elders and deacons. Pray for our government. They're making some tough decisions right now. And whether you like it or not, some people are at a higher risk for COVID-19. And as much as I miss seeing you all, I pray more than ever that you are safe and healthy above everything else. We must become all things to all people. That does not mean that we condone sin or that we condone less than average behavior. Becoming all things to all people means that we should be willing to come alongside others with love and encouragement and accountability rather than judgment and spite and a holier-than-thou attitude. It means that we should be willing to put others' needs before our own. Remember John Baker? I talked about him at length at the beginning of this message. He passed away 18 months after his first doctor's visit. It may not seem like it, but he had beaten the odds. He was only given six months to live, and he lived for 18 months. And also, two days after he passed away, the Duke City Dashers, they won the AAU championship. John ran his race with endurance. A few days after his funeral, students at Aspen Elementary began calling their school John Baker Elementary School. And a movement began in the community. A name change request was sent to the school board. 520 families in the district voted unanimously for the name change. And today, John Baker Elementary School stands as a testimony to a courageous young man who believed in giving his best effort right down to the very end. He ran his race with endurance. Something else I found out about John Baker. Five years before he was diagnosed with cancer, he wrote this poem. And as we come to our response time this morning, I want you to consider his words about running the race that we call life. He writes this. Many thoughts race through my mind as I step up to the starting line. Butterflies through my stomach fly as I free that last deep sigh. I feel that death is drawing near, but the end of the race I do not fear. For when the string comes across my breast, I know it's time for eternal rest. The gun goes off, the race is run. Only God knows if I've won. My family and friends and many more can't understand what it was for. But this race to death is a final test. And I'm not afraid, for I've done my very best. John Baker committed to run the race of life with his absolute best. He knew God. And these are good words for us to consider. But let's consider and count on the words from Hebrews 12.1. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. As we come to our response time this morning, how will you respond to God's words concerning endurance and running the race? Not just for elders and for deacons, but also for you. As we sing our response song, consider how you will run the race that has been set before you.